What's new in low vision? A podcast series brought to you by Airs LA, the audio internet reading service of Los Angeles. My name is Dr. Bill Takeshta, and today I'm going to talk about lighting and vision. Light is the most essential element for vision. Without light, there is no vision. The eyes are merely receivers of light that convert the light into electrical signals that are then processed by the brain to allow us to perceive what we see. For many of us, we've experienced situations where it's been so dim, such as in a, a dark, fancy restaurant, that you really couldn't read the menu. Or, in other cases, it's been so bright, such as when riding in a car towards the sunset in a very, very bright, sunny afternoon, that this light will actually blind you where you couldn't even see the car in front of you. For people with low vision, the lighting situation is even more critical. If the lighting is slightly reduced, it's going to significantly affect how a person might be able to see where he or she is walking, or they may not be able to read. On the other hand, if the lighting is too bright, it could cause significant problems with eye strain, headaches, and glare, and many people with low vision will actually even need to close their eyes because they're so uncomfortable. The first thing that we need to understand, though, is what is light? Light is made up of packets of electromagnetic radiation called photons. These photons, they travel from a light bulb or the sun in waves similar to the way that a bottle would be floating on the waves of the ocean. The photons will travel with different wavelengths and the wavelength itself would depend, depend and determine what type of light is going to be produced photons that travel in a very very short wavelength will then create ultraviolet light if the wavelength is slightly longer it'll produce blue light slightly longer wavelengths will produce green and yellow orange and red will be other types of lights that can be produced depending on the wavelength so the shortest wavelength of light in the visible spectrum would be a blue light while the longest wavelength in the visible spectrum is going to be a red light. Now within this visible spectrum, all of these photons with colors themselves, when they're combined, it creates a white light. Now what's very important to understand about this is that not all white lights are the same. For example, if you were to take a piece of white paper out and you took it outside and looked at it underneath the sun, you would basically say this is a white piece of paper. The paper would look very, very white to you. And the reason for that is because the energy coming from the sun will contain all the photons of the different wavelengths. If you then took that same piece of paper and you looked at it underneath an ordinary light bulb, you may then say, boy, you know, it now looks white, but it almost seems to have a bit of a tint of red in it. If you then moved into another room and you looked at it underneath a fluorescent light, you may say, it now looks white, but it has a little bit of green or blue in it. The reason for this is that depending on the type of light source, the amount of photons that are emitted from that light is going to be slightly different. 
And as a result, in many times when a person is reading or looking underneath an artificial light bulb, the light may appear a bit different. For people with low vision, the color of the light can have a significant effect on how a person's able to see or how their eyes feel. Now for many years people have really studied these issues of the different wavelengths of light and whether or not these particular wavelengths of light could be dangerous. We know that if you were to just simply stare at the sun it would actually burn your retina and it would burn it to the point that you would have a blind spot right in the center of your eye. This is why it's so important not to look at an eclipse. The reason for this is that within the sunlight and other types of radiation is that there is what's called short wavelength radiation. The photons that travel with a very, very short wavelength, the ultraviolet light, has a very high amount of energy. When the ultraviolet light strikes the retina for too long of a time, it could actually damage the cells permanently. Ultraviolet light can also damage your skin. You know that if you're at the beach for a couple of hours and you didn't put sunscreen, you're going to get a sunburn. People who have been exposed to sunlight for too many hours, for too many years, have a much higher prevalence of skin cancer. We as eye doctors know that people who have been exposed to too much ultraviolet radiation can have cataracts and it could also just simply damage the photoceptors of the retina. Now the blue light doesn't have quite as much energy as the ultraviolet light, but it has also been shown to be potentially damaging to the retina. Fortunately, the eyes have a natural barrier that does protect the retina from significant destruction. The crystalline lens inside the eye is a lens that will filter out all of the blue light and it will also filter out the ultraviolet rays of light. In addition, the cornea, which is the very front portion of the eye, will also filter out the ultraviolet light. So, essentially, the retina is protected by both the cornea and the crystalline lens, and this is probably why, regardless of how many years people have been standing and working on farms, we don't see that all of the farmers are people with severe vision impairment. But people who have had cataracts and the lens has been removed from their eye, these people are at greater risk of damage to the retina from both the ultraviolet and the blue wavelengths of light. In such cases, it's very important to ask your optometrist to prescribe specialized glasses to protect your eyes further. But before that, if you're going to have cataract surgery in the near future, you should then ask your ophthalmologist to insert an artificial implant lens that will filter both the ultraviolet and the blue wavelengths of light. Alcon Pharmaceuticals has produced an artificial implant lens that will function just like the crystal lens to protect your eyes from these harmful rays. Now there are primarily two different types of light that we talk about. One is the natural sunlight and the second is the artificial light that comes from light bulbs. Many people with macular degeneration will come and they will tell us that they're able to read very very well in the morning sunlight. They state that when they simply wear their reading glasses they can read the newspaper very well. 
Well, one of the reasons for this is that when a person reads outdoors, the intensity of the light is so bright that it enables the photoreceptors in the retina to send those signals much more efficiently. So for these people, it's often recommended that they use natural light to help them to see much better. Some of the things that can be done to the home to allow more light in is to simply open the drapes and the blinds to allow the light in. Paint the walls in your home a very light color so the natural sunlight is going to reflect off the walls and illuminate the room very evenly. Others may actually install skylights which are similar to windows that mount into the roof and allows the sunlight in. These particular types of skylights are available for about two to four hundred dollars installed and can really help people with low vision to get around much more efficiently. Because the sunlight is something that doesn't cost anything, natural light is going to be much more affordable to illuminate your home. If you're a person who is at home most of the day and you do have glaucoma or retinitis pigmentosa, the installation of skylights is probably much more efficient as compared to keeping lights on indoors all day long. Now for some people, too much natural light could be problematic. People with diabetic retinopathy, with cataracts, many people with albinism, they complain that the sunlight is so bright that they really can't function. And in such cases, one of the easiest ways to reduce that type of light is to have your eye doctor prescribe glasses to filter out those particular types of wavelengths of light and to reduce the natural visible light. Gray polarized lenses can really reduce the amount of light that enters the eyes and really improve your visual comfort when walking outdoors. In other situations, depending on your color vision and your eye disease, the doctor might prescribe a green lens or a blue lens or an orange, brown, or yellow lens. All of these different types of filters can actually improve how effectively a person with low vision can see. Natural light is not always available. Unfortunately, in many times of the year, the sun might not be shining, or you might live in an area where it's cloudy most of the time. In such cases, it's going to be very important that you understand what types of artificial light bulbs are going to be the most helpful for you. The first thing that we're going to talk about then is the incandescent light bulb. Incandescent light bulbs were invented by Thomas Edison over a hundred years ago, and these have really been the icon for light bulbs for many, many years. These are the white glass bulb that has a screw-in base, and you would screw these into a table lamp, or you could screw them into the ceiling. Now, these light bulbs have worked very, very well for many years. They're able to produce a decent amount of light, they are very convenient to install and they're very affordable. The problems with incandescent light bulbs are that most incandescent light bulbs only come in a color that has a slightly reddish white tinge to it and for some low vision patients they may actually see better with a slightly different color light. For the general consumer incandescent lights have the problem of they don't emit as much light and they do cost a lot of money to run these particular types of bulbs. These bulbs don't last really more than 750 hours before you need to replace it. Now the way that the incandescent light bulb works is that 
there's a filament inside the bulb and this little piece of metal becomes hot when electricity is passed through it. When that filament becomes hot it produces light and this is how the light bulb is able to generate those particular types of photons. Now more recently there has been the production of many different types of lights that are even more efficient. One of the types of incandescent light bulbs that has replaced the ordinary light bulb is what's called a halogen light bulb. Now the halogen light bulb is very similar but instead of a typical argon gas they replace it with a halogen gas. Now the advantage of the halogen gas inside the light bulb is that it allows the filament to last much much longer and it could get much hotter. As a result the light that comes from a halogen incandescent light is going to be a whiter light and it won't have that reddish tint that the ordinary light bulb has. The second thing is that these bulbs will last about two to three times longer so it's going to save you a lot of money. They have also recently developed a different type of a low voltage incandescent bulb called the halogen MR16 bulb. Now this is a different type of a bulb and you can't use this in a conventional table lamp or you can't screw this up into the ceiling. These particular types of halogen low voltage lamps must be installed into special light fixtures. Now the two main types of light fixtures that these particular bulbs could be installed in are recessed can lamps and these are really very very good types of light fixtures to use if you just want to illuminate a particular area of the home or if you're going to be doing some remodeling. The low voltage recessed light fixture it mounts flush with your ceiling so it gives a really really clean look. The size of the light fixture is about four inches in diameter and people will usually install many of these about five feet apart from each other to really provide a lot of good illumination. Another way though if you're not interested in cutting holes in your ceiling and you don't want to pay an electrician a hundred dollars per light to install you then can actually purchase what's called a low voltage track light. Now the track light consists of a track and this is a piece of metal that's about one inch wide and they could be two feet, four feet, six feet, eight feet long and on that track you just simply screw it into the joist in the ceiling. Once that has been screwed in you could then mount as many of these little lights that you want onto the track and the lights could then be pointed to direct the light exactly where you need it. So many people will use these types of low voltage halogen MR16 bulbs with the recessed lights or with the track lights. Another type of artificial light is the fluorescent light bulb. Now fluorescent light bulbs have been around for many many years and these are the long tubular shaped bulbs that you might have remembered seeing in the grocery stores or at the, the schools or offices that you work at. The main advantage of the fluorescent bulb is that they produce about four times as much light as compared to an ordinary incandescent light bulb and they, and they use much much less energy, almost one-fourth the amount of energy. Now the original fluorescent light bulbs had problems because 
they would produce a light that had too many of the the greenish types of photons. So when people went to a store and they looked at clothes and they thought they were buying a blue suit, it ended up being a black suit. These particular types of problems with the color rendition really affected how people felt about them. And when people looked at their skin, they often felt that their their complexion looked poor. So people often didn't like to look at themselves in the mirrors at these department stores. Now the way that the fluorescent light works is that inside the glass tube there's a gas, and on the inner surface of the glass tube itself there's a phosphorescent compound. So when the electricity is passed through the tube, the gas becomes a ultraviolet radiation generator. So when the ultraviolet light is produced from the electricity, that then excites the compounds on the inside surface of the tube, and then it produces the white light. Again, fluorescent tubes are now able to produce a wide variety of different colored white lights, and for many people. They can benefit from using the fluorescent light simply because it produces so much light with very little cost. Many people really like to use these four-foot fluorescent light tubes to illuminate their garage. If you have a garage and you do work in the garage, these particular types of lights could be very helpful. Other times, people who do need a very bright environment in the kitchen could benefit from the use of fluorescent light tubes. These particular lights can generate a very, very high amount of light, and you can install a fixture for about a hundred dollars that would be available at a home improvement store. These particular fixtures are called four-foot fluorescent fixtures, and they look very, very nice. They're a rectangular box that mounts onto the ceiling, and then you just put the four tubes inside there. Now, compact fluorescent lights is a form of fluorescent tube. Where the tube has been swirled in a coil to make the light very, very small. As a result, these particular types of small lights can then have a screw-in base, and you could screw these into your old table lamps or into the light sockets on the ceiling of your home. They're available in different brightnesses and colors, so it makes it very, very helpful in providing general illumination for people who do need. A different type of a general lighting in their home, they can simply install these particular types of light bulbs in their table lamps, and it could produce a much more comfortable or soothing light for them. The last type of light bulb that's become very popular is called the LED. This stands for light emitting diode. Now these little bulbs are about the size of a of a eraser on a pencil. And so the main advantage of these bulbs is that they really use very very little energy at all, and they produce a very nice light without getting hot. So the ideal use of these particular LED lights is for the use in hand magnifiers, because the batteries will last much much longer if you're getting a magnifying glass with a LED light. Another thing is that these bulbs are also excellent if you need a desk lamp. To help with your reading, say for example that you have a desk at home and you need a little bit more light. Well, these particular types of bulbs are excellent because they don't generate heat and they won't make you have problems with as much reflected glare. Well, the next thing that you want to then do is you want to then go ahead and talk to your doctor and take some notes regarding what color light 
and what types of light fixtures that your doctor does recommend. If your doctor has recommended that you do benefit from a specific color light, you then want to go ahead and see whether or not you could find that particular type of light bulb in that type of color that's going to work the best for you. If you have many of your light fixtures at home that just take the screw-in type of a bulb, then you're going to have to shop for bulbs that are going to have what is called a medium base. And these medium screw-in bases are very similar to the type that an ordinary light bulb will have. If you are going to be on the market for shopping for different types of lighting, then that's going to give you a much, much wider variety of bulbs to choose from. So when you're going to shop for light bulbs, what are the things you need to first look for? First, you want to determine what is the brightness of the bulb. You yourself will be able to determine whether or not you see better with a relatively dim light, a bright light, or a moderately light, bright light. The way that the light bulbs are going to be labeled to determine and describe the brightness is going to be in the term lumens. The higher the number of lumens, the brighter the light. The lower the number of lumens, the dimmer the light. So to kind of give you an example, let's think of just a ordinary 60 watt incandescent light bulb. Now these particular lights, depending on the manufacturer, they might generate around 600 to 700 lumens of light. And that would be a 60 watt light bulb. These lights aren't real, real bright, but it can give you a little bit of light that's going to allow you to see where you're walking. Now, on the other hand, if you're a person who needs much more light, let's say, for example, that you purchase a fluorescent light tube, one of the four-foot fluorescent boot tubes, these can generate as much as 2,800 lumens. So the amount of light coming from one fluorescent light tube is going to be much, much more than what's going to be produced by one small incandescent light bulb. So look at the lumens to tell you how much brightness is coming from that bulb. The second thing you want to look for is wattage. Wattage primarily tells you how much energy is that light bulb going to take in order to produce light. For many people, they often assume that wattage means the higher the wattage, the brighter the light. Now this is not true. It's only going to be true if you're going to be comparing the same classification of a light bulb. In other words, if you have a 100 watt incandescent light bulb, that is going to produce more light than a 40 watt incandescent light bulb. However, if you were to compare a 75 watt incandescent light bulb with a 27 watt fluorescent light bulb, the 27 watt fluorescent light bulb actually produces more light. So remember, you do not look at the wattage to determine how much light is coming out of a bulb. You must look at the lumens. The wattage is only going to tell you how much energy is it going to cost to run this bulb. The third thing to look at is the color. Your doctor will tell you what color bulb, what color light is going to work the best for you. And there's a few ways that the bulbs are going to be labeled to describe their color. One is that they may say that it's a warm light. And the warm light would be similar to that of an ordinary light bulb. It's going to be a reddish-white color. Other bulbs might then be 
labeled as a cool white light. And these are the colors that are going to be a greenish or bluish white light. And for some people, they may see better with that particular type of light. And there's going to be other types of lights that are called full spectrum lights. And although full spectrum implies that it's going to be most similar to the sunlight, artificial lights are not able to replicate the visible spectrum of light that the sun can. What we have found is that with the full spectrum types of lights, they often appear to be a bit more blue than what the actual sunlight would emit. Another way that color is actually labeled in bulbs is by the temperature. There was a scale that was created many years ago, and what they did is that they heated metal, and depending on the color of the metal iron, they were actually able then to label that temperature with a specific color. So light bulbs might be measured in degrees Kelvin. If the bulb says 2700 degrees Kelvin, that bulb is going to be a slightly reddish white light, very similar to the ordinary incandescent bulb. 3500 degrees is a bit more of a yellowish white. It's a more of a neutral color. 4100 degrees Kelvin is going to have a little bit more green added to the light. 5000 degrees Kelvin is going to have more blue and 6,000 degrees is going to have even more blue yet. Any type of light that's going to have a color temperature of 5,000 degrees Kelvin or greater is considered to be full spectrum light. Now, within the full spectrum light, it really should be stated that for many, many years, people have reported that they could read longer, they're more efficient, their eyes feel more comfortable when they're reading underneath these full spectrum lights. This is a very controversial topic because in other studies, these particular types of findings have not been replicated. Others have stated that this is just kind of a, 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 you know, a fad that would make people want to buy these particular types of lights. Others have argued that the full spectrum light could actually be dangerous because there's so much blue light that it would damage the retina. Well, what we want people to understand is that it's important to talk to your doctor about this because it is controversial. Again, the eyes do have a natural filter that does filter out the ultraviolet and the blue wavelengths of light. If you've had cataract surgery, then it might be helpful that you do wear special glasses such that the blue and the ultraviolet light will definitely be filtered. The manufacturers of these particular types of lights have even demonstrated, though, that if you were to measure the amount of energy coming from these full-spectrum fluorescent lights or indoor full-spectrum lights, that the amount of radiation of the blue wavelengths being underneath these lights for eight hours is equivalent to being outdoors in the sun for one minute. So, in essence, the amount of exposure and danger to these particular types of lights may be much less as compared to being outdoors in the natural sunlight. Now, another thing is that there's another label on the box, and this is called the Color Rendering Index. The Coloring Rendering Index, CRI, is a scale that a person can use if you are going to compare two different brands of light bulbs or two different brands or types of light that have the same temperature. 
Let's say, for example, that your doctor tells you that it would be good for you to have a light that has a little bit of a yellowish-white light. So, in that case, with a yellowish-white light, that will mean that we're going to look for a bulb that has a temperature of 3,500 degrees Kelvin. You see that there's two different brands. Now, with both of these lights that have a 3,500 degrees Kelvin temperature, you then want to look for the coloring rendering index value, the CRI value. The one that has the highest value is going to be able to render colors more accurately. So a bulb that has a CRI of 92 is going to be better than the bulb that has a CRI of 82. But it must be remembered that you could only use a scale when comparing light bulbs that produce the same color. So once you have these particular types of ideas and you can identify the different types of light bulbs, you're now really ready to equip and illuminate your home to maximize your overall functional vision. The first thing is going to be really depending somewhat on your budget. Let's say, for example, that just for general lighting, this is just for lighting to help us to walk and to find things around the house more easily. This will be for the living room, the den, and perhaps your bedrooms. One of the things would be is if you already have lamps in your home, there's a couple things that you could do. The first thing that you want to do is you then want to purchase the compact fluorescent light that is going to have the color that your doctor has recommended. If the doctor recommended something that's going to be slightly on the reddish end, you may then purchase a bulb that has a 2700 degrees Kelvin. Slightly yellow will be 3500 degrees Kelvin. A little bit on the greenish end will be 4100 degrees. And a little bit more on the bluer end, it could be 4700 or 5000 degrees. Now with these particular types of compact fluorescent bulbs, you could simply insert them into your table lamp and buy a bulb that's going to have the lumen output that's going to be the best for you. If you prefer the room to be dim, you could get a bulb that's going to produce 600 lumens. If you want one that's going to be a medium, you can go ahead and get one that's going to produce 800 lumens. If you want one that's going to be very bright, you may then want to install multiple lamps inside the room to increase the overall ambient lighting. What you don't want to have happen though is you don't want to have areas of the room that's going to have a lot of dark and light because these shadows could be very very difficult for people with low vision. If you don't have a table lamp or you don't have a table that's convenient to place a lamp on, another option is to install or purchase a torchier lamp. And a torchier lamp consists of a round circular weighted base that's about 10 inches in diameter with a 6 foot pole. And on the top of the pole there's going to be a lampshade or a bowl. What these particular lights will do is they throw all the light up towards the ceiling and the light is then reflected off the ceiling down towards the floor. So this is really nice because it doesn't give you a lot of glare. If you're bothered by glare, the torchier lamps are really very, very helpful. If you do want a very, very bright type of light, you could then go ahead and install a compact fluorescent light with the color temperature that your doctor had re recommended. A 27 watt compact fluorescent light is going to really put up a lot of light that will bounce off the ceiling onto the floor. If you need a little bit more light, 
it could be helpful to use a white paint and paint the ceilings of your room white and that's going to give you a bit more of a reflection of light. In some cases, if the room is very large, you might put two of these torsier lamps on different sides of the room to give you more illumination. If you're in a remodeling mode, you could install recessed can lamps. And there's different types of recessed lights. One is going to be a R-40 recessed light. And again, these are about a 6-inch diameter light that will install flush against your ceiling. Presently, you could install many different types of bulbs in there. One is the incandescent reflector bulb. And these bulbs are in a different variety of brightnesses and colors. And you could also attach these to a dimmer so you could really customize how bright you want them. Each of these lights costs about $100 to install by an electrician. Another type of a recessed light that you can install for generalized lighting is the low voltage recessed light. The advantage of the recessed light is that, again, they use less illumination, excuse me, they use less energy because they are low vision and you could then also use those halogen low voltage MR16 bulbs that produce a wide variety of light with different types of beam angles and colors and they use much less electricity. Now in the area of the kitchen as we talked about before one of the most effective ways to help with a kitchen if you want the kitchen to be very very bright let's say that you have glaucoma or retinitis pigmentosa one of the most affordable ways to install affordable lighting is to go to the home improvement center and purchase a light box that is going to be called a four foot fluorescent fixture now these are wooden boxes that have a really ornate decorative trim that's in oak or mahogany and they have a plastic grid panel you could then install four fluorescent light tubes in there and with these particular light tubes the entire kitchen's going to be very very equally illuminated you won't have problems of dark and light spots that you might with other types of lights so in the kitchen those four foot fluorescent fixtures can be very very helpful if you need more lighting in the kitchen say for example over the counter or over the stove to see what you're cooking on the stove go ahead and install the track lights with the halogen MR16 low voltage lights the bulb that I have found to be very very helpful is the Solux 3500 watt degree Kelvin 50 watt MR16 bulb. That is again the Solux S-O-L-U-X MR16 bulb with a temperature of 3500 degrees Kelvin and 50 watts. These bulbs are available in different angles so you could have a spotlight or a wide angle light to meet your needs. So this is a great way of illuminating your kitchen. Now for dining room areas where we need some more task lighting, maybe you're going to be doing some homework, you're paying bills, or you just simply want to see your food, the installation of these different types of track lights or recessed lights are again another excellent option. One of the things that could be very, very helpful with these types of recessed lights or the track lights is they again can be put on a dimmer 
So if you do need to write checks or you're needing to see something with fine detail, you could turn the lights up all the way and it could be very, very bright. Or if you want it to be a bit dimmer, you can adjust them on a dimmer. So the advantage between these particular lights is such that the recessed lights can really direct the light exactly right over the table where you need it. If you were going to compare whether or not you should get the R40 versus a low voltage, I think a lot of that really depends on your own taste and your own style. What seems to look a little bit better for the style of your home? In terms of the amount of light output, I think that you can have a bit more of a brighter white light if you're using the low voltage MR16 light bulbs because of the fact that it is a halogen bulb. Now in hallways, one of the ways to accentuate the lighting in a hallway is again you can install the track lights. These low voltage recessed track lights are again only about fifty to sixty dollars at the home improvement store and you basically could just screw them in with a couple of screws into the joist onto the ceiling. So it's something that's a little bit more affordable as compared to having the recessed lights installed. In the bathroom, one of the most effective ways is to use the recessed can lights. These are the R40 lights. These particular lights can then be mounted right over the counter next to your mirror and the reflection of the light on the mirror is going to produce a very high amount of illumination. By using the reflector incandescent light bulbs it's going to be very effective if you're putting on makeup or you're shaving and you like the way that your skin tones look. It'll be something that is very very nice. If you want to illuminate some of the pictures and paintings that you have at home, again, the MR16 low voltage halogen bulbs on a track light is a very, very affordable way to go. This is the same type of a system that's used in museums throughout the world. The bulb that's often used in museums is the Solex MR16 3500 degrees Kelvin bulb and it's often with a 35 watt sometimes this will be a little bit dimmer because you don't want the light to be overwhelming on these pictures and paintings if you're needing some help and you're going to be doing some reading in your desk in your study room then go ahead and purchase and try different types of desk lamps these desk lamps cost between forty to fifty dollars and they use different types of light bulbs I recommend the use of a fluorescent bulb because of the fact that they don't get quite as hot and the fluorescent tubes are available in different colors. If you need a warm reddish light, you can get them in 2700 degrees Kelvin. If you want a little more of a yellow light, you can get 3500. Or if you want full spectrum, there's many manufacturers of full spectrum fluorescent lights. These particular types of desk lights are really good because the housing of it is such that it blocks your view of the light bulb itself. So your book is going to be illuminated, but you'll never get reflected glare or glare coming directly from the light bulb. Another thing to really check out are going to be the LED desk lamps. These LED desk lamps are really good because, again, they don't generate heat. One of the things to keep in mind, though, if you do benefit from a lot of very very bright light if you need a lot of bright light in order to read one of the best ways of increasing the lighting on the book is to bring the light source closer to the paper itself 
One of the things in light is that the distance between the light source and the paper is going to have a tremendous effect on the brightness. Many people will go and they might even purchase a very, very bright light and install it on the ceiling, and when they try to read a book, they still can't read. Well, the reason for that is the distance between the ceiling and the book is so large that the brightness on the page is not that great. So, another alternative is to use a smaller light bulb and bring it much closer to the book. If you bring that light within one foot or closer, the page is going to have much more illumination, and this is going to greatly improve reading efficiency. If you have an office at work, one of the ideal ways to improve the lighting for the office is, if possible, turn off the overhead lights and install or purchase a torsier lamp on the floor. The floor lamp is going to reflect light up to the ceiling, and it's going to give you some good general ambient lighting. By not having the room too bright, it's going to make your computer screen more visible. Another thing that's helpful is that you could also install a couple of desk lamps on your desk to illuminate each side of your computer screen. This will give you enough light so that you could see things that are on your table and on your desk. And if you then need to read, you have light that's readily available. If you're bothered by a lot of glare and a lot of light, there's a couple of things to do. First, you could actually consider putting a dark blotter or even a, a dark poster board on your desk to reduce some of that type of glare. You could also tilt the top of your computer monitor slightly towards you so that none of the reflections will be going into your eyes. And number three, position your computer monitor such that it is not going to be able to see any of the reflections from windows and other sources of glare. For outdoor use, <clears throat> excuse me, outside of your home, one of the things that's very helpful is to use sodium low vapor lights. And with these sodium high pressure lights, it's going to cast a very, very yellowish type of light. These are very energy efficient, they're very, very bright, and they're very, very good because it could improve your safety when walking as well as make your home much safer. Another thing that's very helpful is to install Malibu landscape lights. The halogen landscape lights can create a illuminated path so that you could see where the sidewalk is and this could really make it much safer when you're walking. One of the biggest concerns for people with low vision is tripping and falling. We know that people with low vision are often injuring themselves because they break their legs and hip as they're walking in a darkened area. Another thing to help with mobility is to use night lights. You can actually set night lights in the hallways or near your bathroom so that if you do need to go to the restroom at night, you could find your way to the bathroom. You could also install these different types of receptacles in different lights so that when you walk into the room, it will sense your motion and the lights can turn on automatically. This could be very, very helpful if you have very poor vision because many people with low vision, they simply can't even find the lamp. And so you don't want to keep the light on all night, but you also do need the light to help you to see as you begin to walk. So you can actually go to the home improvement stores and get different types of light sensors. And also there are remote light switches where you can actually press the switch and through a remote control, it will turn on your light. 
So I hope that all of this information was helpful. It's important just to keep in mind to ask your doctor what type of lighting, what color lighting would be best to maximize your vision and then to plan out an affordable budget to help you to maximize the lighting to improve your vision. So until next time, this is Dr. Bill Takeshta for Airs LA.